and his wife, Karen, they serve here uh, uh, as part of our senior leadership team. And we've been, how long, Andrew, have you guys been with us? It's been three years. Am I three years? years. years. Wow, thank you, God, I got it right. Uh, It's been a while. And man, it's been uh, so refreshing, Andrew, to walk hand in hand with you and your wife. You guys have added so much to our community. And I know today is going to be exceptional as well. Uh, So listen, what we're going to do is we're going to pray for ourselves. You see, Andrew's already prayed up. He's already, he's ready to deliver the word of God. But see, we may need a little help, right? Uh, I don't know about you, but I can unplug sometimes uh, during a sermon, right? You got 30, 35 minutes of just staying locked in to the points of which are being uh, deliberated. But uh, I'm going to pray for us that we'd be able to lock in today, that our ears would be open to the truth of God's word and our hearts would receive it with joy. Come on. How many know that God wants us to receive his word with joy? Amen. Father, I, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this man and his wife and their uh, many blessings and contributions that they've made to this community in ways, Lord, that are just endless. Uh, And today, Lord, we know that he's going to make another great deposit. Uh, Lord, we pray for those of us who are going to be locked in and listening to this word. We pray that our ears would be open and our hearts would receive your word with joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Can you say amen with me? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Daryl, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. So I'm excited to uh, share with you guys a bit on the the word today. And um, I don't know, for those of you who have been here the last couple of weeks and just hearing Pastor Daryl as he just preaches about what our reaction should be when Christ is in our midst. As he already mentioned throughout this worship, where two or three are gathered as his first sermon was, that's where Christ shall be. So Christ is already in our midst this morning. We don't have to beg him to enter. We don't have to fight for him to enter this room. He's already here. And um, that I'm grateful for that because <laughs> I need Jesus. We all need Jesus. And um, so I'm excited to be here this morning and share the word of God. And um, so I'm going to just get right into it. This word that I'm going to share with you guys, to be honest with you, um, it's been a word on my heart for a good six, seven months. And um, it's been just weighing heavily on my heart. And um, I just really need the, the, the grace of God this morning to, to deliver it to you guys. And uh, as Pastor Daryl mentioned, um, I hope you guys are with open ears, open heart to receive, um, because this is something that's still very raw to me, something that I'm still living, and something that God is still revealing towards me. So as Pastor Daryl mentioned, uh, my wife and I, we've been here for three years. If I can just ask my wife to stand up. <laughs> that's, that's my wife, Karen. And uh, for those of you who know us, I I love to put my wife in awkward positions. It's just, it's it's a love language of mine towards her to make her feel uncomfortable. But um, marriage, (laughs) marriage, praise the Lord for marriage. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but marriage is is a costly thing. It's uh, it's a thing that requires you to surrender a lot, to, uh, to give a lot of yourself to it. And um, this morning, I'm doing so because my wife and I are wearing matching T-shirts or matching shirts. And uh, she knows that that's like my one, number one rule, no matching clothes. <laughs> but because I love her so much, I'm like, do you know what, honey? I'll, I'll let you wear a matching shirt that matches mine this Sunday. But can anyone else relate to that in regards to your marriage for the married people? Like, you do things that you really don't want to do, but... Because of your love for your spouse, you're like, you know what? 
whatever makes her happy, whatever shows her worth, whatever shows her value, I'm willing to do it. And for those of you who are not married, that might be you and your career. You value your career a lot to where you're willing to put in 10, 12 years of school for the sake of advancing in your career. Or that might be your, um, your job place. Like you're willing to put in 50, 60 hours a week just so your boss can see you and see, wow, this person, that lady, she, 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 deserves, she loves this job. She deserves that promotion that she's going for. All of us have something in our life that we value so much that no matter the price, no matter the cost, you're willing to pay it because you want it, because you value it, because you love it. And that is something that is, is honorable. You should fight and, and just pay whatever cost it is in order to receive or go after what's burning on your heart. The culture, the world, it, it promotes it. Like we see athletes like Tom Brady giving his whole life. Um, by the way, I'm not a Brady fan. I'm a huge New York Jets fan. So I just want you to know that what I'm about to say right now is at a great cost towards my pride. Um, Tom Brady, one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback of football and NFL history. And everyone applauds him for, for how dedicated he is to, to his craft. He eats, sleeps, and drinks football. He even started his own food brand or workout program to, to highlight just the hard work that, that he goes through in order to train his body to be the athlete that he is. So we all love the Tom Brady's of the world, the Michael Jordans, and all these people in our life that, that give everything to achieve their dreams. We celebrate it. But something that... That, that makes my heart weep, to be honest with you guys, is that whenever we in the church see someone who's weeping in the presence of God, that whenever we see someone who's shouting songs of praise, or we see someone who's just running up and down, and, and I, I love Amy, but we've all seen Amy go, the, let's go, let's go, let's go. Just trying to rile everyone up in worship. We see that and we're like, that is crazy. Why are you doing that? When we see someone just speaking about Jesus nonstop and just every conversation they have, whether it be with their friends their family, whoever it may be, all they're doing is talking about Jesus. We call them a Jesus freak. But they love Jesus so much. Amy runs around, swings her arms. People who just talk nonstop about Jesus, they do so out of their love for this man. If we were to look at, the, at it from the lens of culture and the world, we should be applauding that. Like, 
Wow, I see your dedication to God. Wow, I see you paying such a great price, seeing you in the scriptures nonstop, seeing you lifting up songs of praise. I see you looking like a fool for Jesus. I applaud you for that. But that's not the reaction of the church. Or at least in many of the churches in the Western hemisphere. We tell that person, you're too loud. We tell that person to just sit down. You're making me feel uncomfortable. But yet, that person doesn't care because they love Jesus so much. So this morning, I'm going to go into what I believe is one of the most biblical responses to seeing Jesus, to having a revelation of Jesus. And that response is one of cost. So if we can go into the scriptures, and we're going to go into Matthew 2, starting at verse 1. So Matthew 2, verse 1. So we all know the story of the Magi. It's probably one of the most common uh, scriptures we use during the Christmas season to just declare the arrival of the king onto this earth. And um, so we're all familiar, but I believe that these verses here actually have some very important keys in regards to our response in the place of worship towards Jesus that these verses here are not just for the Christmas season, but are verses that we should apply to our life daily when we see Jesus, when we're in his midst. So we're going to start at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who was born King of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Before I continue, I just have to highlight something about this verse here, about how wild and crazy it is. Don't you guys know that the Magi are actually not Israelites? That the Magi are actually Gentiles? That these people here who saw that star raised are actually the first Gentiles to declare worth towards Jesus when he arrived in this world. It wasn't in the book of Acts. It was here, the Magi, people who believed in a God that was totally different than the Israelite God. People who believed in, who practiced magic, who practiced uh, the astrology. People who you would think would be the last ones to see Jesus and realize that that is the king of the Jews. That that baby that was born is the savior of the world. It was Gentiles who were not even aware or were seeking the king himself, the savior of the world. But they saw the star. So the Magi are foretelling 
the coming of Gentile nations to, 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 to the Jewish Messiah with all their wealth, their power, and their wisdom. This baby here, Jesus Christ, these, these magis who were wise, they came to worship a baby. And their act of worship was declaring, this baby is wiser than I. This baby is greater than I. And it was Gentiles. Gentiles. That blows my mind. So let's continue. Verse uh, 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship. After they heard the king, they went on their way and the star, uh, they said the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So I believe these verses here highlight four different reactions that we should have when we are in the midst of Jesus. And all of them have to do with cost. And cost, paying, to, 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 uh, the, paying a price to worship Jesus, is a very foreign concept to, to us here in the Western world. We show up to church. The worship team has already set everything up. They are already all prayed up, already got their songs, practiced their songs. They're, already, they're ready to lead us into the presence of God. So all we do is just show up and expect to be served. No price is paid. But true biblical worship in reality is costly. Because the focus of true worship is not us or our needs, which to be honest with you, I come in on Sundays lots of times like, oh, Jesus, I have these needs. I have, I have this struggle. I have this sin. This is going on in my marriage with my wife. I need you, Jesus. But true biblical worship has nothing to do with you or with I, but with everything who God is. So the focus of true worship is on God. And that is costly. I'm sure many of you can relate 
when you come in here on Sundays, when you, you've just had an extremely difficult week, and that is the only thing that is on your mind when you come in here. Like, oh, I lost my job. Oh, I had this fight with my friend or with my wife. We all come here with, bag, with just struggles on Sunday. So it can be difficult at times to extend God what he's worthy of. But that, that, that is the beauty of worship. That is an opportunity for us to lay aside my struggle and to reorient my heart on God and to focus on him. And you might say, why is worship costly? Like, why? We, we never hear worship and cost used simultaneously with one another. But Romans 12 tells us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So you don't have to take my word in saying that worship is costly. The word itself says that your worship, that you living as a living sacrifice for God is costly. And that that is true worship towards him. So you can disagree with me all you want. But I think the scriptures make it very clear that if you're not paying a price, then you're not truly worshiping Jesus. But let's go back to uh, the, the, the scriptures here and, and four things that I believe that because paying a cost, paying a price, that, that's, that's very vague, very general. What does that actually look like to pay a cost? So four things that, that these specific verses highlight to us. One is reputation. Two is time. Three is comfort. And then four, your life. So reputation. The Magi. They were obviously not Israelites, obviously not ones who worshipped the, 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 the Abba, the Father, the God that we worship. They had a foreign God that they worshipped. But yet they were willing to travel an extremely long distance. They were willing to give up their reputation of like, oh, I'm serving a different God, or oh, I'm going to bow down to a different God, a God that is different than the God that my faith, my religion exalts. So that is like someone who is in, uh, of the Muslim faith, who were to declare suddenly, oh, Jesus, the, the king of the Jews, the king of the world, I must go worship him. I must go praise him. That would be crazy for someone of the Muslim faith to do that. That is crazy. And for an atheist, someone who does not believe in God to, to, to say something like that, to do something like that, they would be ridiculed by their friends and their families. Like, what are you talking about? God, you're crazy. Many of you probably can relate to that here in this room, being ridiculed by your family for your faith in Jesus Christ. 
But that is what the Magi were willing to do in order to go and bow down and submit to the king of the Jews. They did not care about their reputation. And then when we look at time, lots of times we are here at church and after 20 minutes of worship, we're like, when is this going to be done? Um, we're, we're hitting 30 minutes. Come on, Pastor Daryl. Come on, Will. Y'all worshiping too long. We all can relate to that. But the Magi traveled at minimum 400 miles to go see this baby who was born. According to scholars, at minimum, it took two weeks in order to get from where they were from, many scholars believe they were from the area of Persia. So in order to get from Persia and to get to Bethlehem, they had to travel those 400 miles. Lots of us complain about traveling five minutes to church. It's like there's too much traffic out there. Well, imagine trying to ride a camel for 400 miles. That's way rougher. So they were willing to sacrifice, to pay the price of their time. And to be honest with you, that is probably something many of us struggle with here in church today. Giving our time to God. We're so focused with work. We're so focused with school. We're so focused in our relationships to where a whole week can go by and we've not yet given God an hour. Time has become an idol in the Western culture where, no, that I can't go to that worship event. I can't gather with the saints to worship because I already made other plans or I've already spent one hour with Jesus. I'm good enough. I don't need more. Time, I believe, is something that that God totally wants to wreck our time management. He wants to reprioritize the way we spend our time to where God is actually the first person we see and spend time with every morning rather than our cell phones. And that he's the one in whom we go to bed, prior going to bed, we spend time with and praising and worshiping. And then you have comfort. So in verse 11, on coming into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. To be honest with you guys, bowing down for me, I'm a heavy set guy. So bowing down and getting on my knees is very uncomfortable. Be honest with you, <laughs> it is. It's uncomfortable. Many of us, when it comes to, you name it, you have those things that make you comfortable and that you're not willing to sacrifice for the sake of Jesus. That can be countless of things. But we see the Magi here were willing to bow down before Jesus. 
to get on their knees and, and, their, and, and them bowing down was them physically demonstrating to Jesus, I submit to you. I worship you. So these actions can feel foreign and uncomfortable. Not in this house, though, because everyone bows down in the, in the presence of Jesus. But there are many contexts in which we put our, there are many contexts in which we put ourselves to worship God. And that can be the lifting of our hands. That can be just the shouting joy to, to, to the Lord. Bowing down, getting on our knees. It can be uncomfortable. However, the discomfort is worth it because of what we receive in return. And once you know what you receive in return, when you get uncomfortable for Jesus, you gladly make that sacrifice. You gladly get uncomfortable physically in order to worship Jesus. And then to what I believe is probably the biggest price that the Magi paid was with their life. We can read in the final verse there. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The simple fact they went to worship Jesus almost cost them their life. Herod was going to, 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 to murder them or arrest them. But God was so gracious to give them a dream and tell them not to return back to Herod. They were willing to give their whole life to Jesus. We get uncomfortable here at church sweating. We get uncomfortable here at church and, and people smelling a bit funky. <laughs> it happens. All these different little discomforts we have and just gathering together to worship and to praise Jesus. But yet in reality, who in here is actually sacrificing the safety of their life in order to worship him? None of us. None of us are sacrificing our safety for the sake of worshiping Jesus when we come in here on Sundays. But my question to you is, would you be willing? Would you be willing to even sacrifice the safety of your own life for the sake of worshiping Jesus? I personally believe, and I think many of us in here can agree, that the world is looking for a group of people who are authentic in their pursuit of what they preach. We see so many different movements going on around the world, and we see people paying great prices in order to run after the cause of their movement. 
But how willing are we in order to pay the same price in our worship of God? We say, come to church, come and worship me to the world around us. But why would they want to worship when they see others worshiping different causes more extravagantly, paying a greater price? I've heard many times people say, why would I worship Jesus when it looks like you don't even care about worshiping Jesus. All I see you is complaining about the lengths you have to get in order to praise him and to worship him. So I'm gonna close on this. How badly do you want Jesus? Or better said, how true is your love for Jesus. And I know that can be a very weighty question, but I think the scriptures are very clear that those who obey Jesus and the commands of Jesus demonstrate their love to him in their obedience. And the scriptures tell us countlessly, forsake your mother, forsake your father, we see it throughout the whole New Testament, this paying a price in order to be in the, in order to, to worship Jesus, in order to be in the midst of Jesus. People, Jesus asking us to pay the price. You see it in the Old Testament with David and him not allowing someone else to pay for his offering towards God. It was like, no because that did not cost me anything. Therefore, I will pay the price for my own offering towards God. So we see if throughout all the scriptures, this, this constant theme, constant theme of paying a price in order to follow Jesus, in order to worship Jesus. And I think Pastor Darrell has over the last couple of weeks just so eloquently put the reasons why we should worship Jesus, why we should pay that price. The reason we should pay that price is because he's worth it. And why is he worth it? Because he died at the cross for your sins. He died at the cross for your sins. Therefore, any price we pay, it, does, it doesn't even come close to the ultimate price that Christ paid for our lives. He who was perfect, he who was without blemish, died at the cross because of his love for us. And all he's asking is for us to give him our life, to give him our time, to give him our comfort, to give him our reputation, and ultimately, our dreams, our desires. That is what the giving up of your life towards Christ looks like. That when Christ says, do this for me, you follow. When Christ says, forego this dream, you forego it. That is what it looks like to give your life to Christ. Is that whatever he says, 
You do it. So my heart longs to see this church and really to see the body of Christ uh, really just pay a price in the, in, the, in the place of worship. And the reason why it desires that, A, is because Jesus is worth it, but also because of what happens when we gather together and give Jesus our everything. That is the beautiful thing about God, that when we make it all about him, because he's so gracious and so loving, he meets us and takes care of our needs. That is how amazing God is. So my desire is to see the church just unite all of us in this room here. Come to the place to where we all are paying the price to worship Jesus. And what, hap and what happens when we all are under one accord to worship Jesus is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing because not only does God answer our needs and our prayers, but he also blesses the other people in our midst and whom have no desire to know God. Our worship of God. It blesses the world. So I just want to end on a testimony. And I hope that as I share this testimony, um, that it stirs something in your heart to want to just give Jesus everything in the place of worship. And not just you individually, but also for you to encourage your brother, your sisters in Christ. Hey, follow me as I give everything into Jesus as I worship. So I had the privilege and the honor to go to Iraq last year. And um, that's really where all of this started. This like, ah, oh, what does it mean to actually worship Jesus? What, what should be my response to, to worshiping Jesus? It all started from what I saw there in Iraq. So many of us, everyone who went to that trip, it was a, a team of, I think, 10 people. And I have two of my friends from that trip here uh, today with us. So they can testify to what I share, <laughs> that I'm not making it up, that I'm not crazy. <laughs> but... We, we, we went to Iraq, and as many of you guys know, Iraq is not friendly uh, towards the, the Christian faith. Um, it's a predominantly Muslim nation. So we, all, we went to this, this nation, and to be honest with you guys, I was extremely scared. I was scared to go to Iraq, A, because I hate flying, and that's 14 hours of flying. Like, <laughs> what person in their right mind would travel that long to get to a destination? And then also, I, I was uncomfortable because, to be honest, I have no idea of the, I had no idea about what the culture was in Iraq. The cultural norms are completely different there in Iraq than what they are here. So I went into Iraq. We all went to Iraq together. All of us were on the same page because no one knew the, the cultural context in which we were going to. Everyone had to travel for 14, 15 hours, huge layovers. We all had issues going on at home. 
whether it was uh, people not knowing yet where they were going to live as soon as they got back from Iraq, whether it was others who had a very difficult family situation to where it had the potential to upend their, their household, whether it was some, another guy who, was, who just had found out that my wife is pregnant and he's going to oh, halfway across the world to worship Jesus and leave his pregnant wife behind, not knowing what might happen to him over there. And then I personally, I was, I was the odd man out. I, I was uh, traveling with, it was a, a group, a group of 10 people from a church in, in Maine. And then I was the, the odd man out, the only guy from a church, a different church. So there was already this context of relationships built. So I had to go in, be the new guy, and I'm not the most bubbly of personalities. I'm not the most outgoing of people. So the thought of having to establish relationships with strangers that I had no idea made me a bit uncomfortable. So we all were uncomfortable being there in Iraq. We all were paying a price with our time, having to take off two weeks from work, having to travel across the world. And as soon as we got to Iraq, we all got sick from drinking the water. <laughs> For any of you who've been to foreign nations uh, to do missions, it's, probably, it's a common thing to see the, the missionaries get sick because the, the, their, their bodies are just not used to, to the food and the way the food's prepared in, in, in the nation in which they're in. So I was sick like a dog. I literally was coughing. I was sneezing. I had a runny nose and the headaches. I did not want to be there. I just wanted to be in my bed taking care of myself physically because of how sick I felt. But we all decided, do you know what? It is worth it. Our discomfort is worth it. Our time is worth it. Our reputation of being Christians and, and not just Christians, but Christians who are going to preach the gospel in, a, in cities in which it's not allowed, that, that, that ruins our reputation. And being in a nation in which there are people who are hostile towards Christians, we were paying a price with our safety. So literally all the four things that the, that the Magi did, we were experiencing it ourselves in Iraq. But all of us were like, it is worth it because Jesus is worth it. So we had these nights of where we were just praying. And we, were, we weren't even praying. Uh, we were just worshiping for six hours. Six hours straight. I already have a hard time getting through one hour of worship at church. Now imagine six hours. 
And to be honest, I went to Iraq with the desire to wage war against spiritual principalities. So I was there to just intercede and to just fight in the place of prayer. But we didn't even do that in the times of worship. It literally was just worship for six hours. For someone who likes to intercede, that is uncomfortable. I would constantly say to myself, what is wrong with these people that they are worshiping for so long? It is time to pray. It is time to pray against demons and, and all these different wild things. But then the Lord convicted me. Praise God that he convicts. <laughs> he convicted me so strongly and he was like, your greatest weapon is your worship. Because in a world in which so many different people, so many different things, so many different movements are seeking your worship, when you worship me, you're telling those other things that they're less than me. So after I was convicted, I was like, all right, you got a point, God. You got a point. You might be right. So I just got into the heart posture. Do you know what, Lord? I'm going to give you everything as I worship. So we had this one night of six-hour worship, uh, a burn is what they called it, and where we worship for six hours. And that evening, we had guests with us who came into the room and just uh, came to worship with us. So these guests that came, some of them actually were saved the day before, and they were prostitutes. Legit, they were prostitutes saved the day before. And they came into the place of worship. And it is wild what happened. When people who've never worshipped God come into a place in which Jesus is welcomed. And where everyone is worshipping God wholeheartedly. So we're worshiping, we're worshiping. Uh, a lot of us are on our knees. There's people shedding tears. And uh, we're, just, we're just going after it. We're like, God, you got to show up. You got to show up, Lord. We're fighting. Our, our, our worship is, 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 is our weapon. And we're in a foreign land in which you're not worshiped. Therefore, you must show up when we worship. So we all were in a room and, and suddenly at about the third hour in, I hear this lady and I kid you not, and I shared this story specifically to encourage you and to reveal to you the power of our worship, not just for ourselves, but for those who don't know Jesus and those who just gave their life to Jesus. So I'm literally standing right next to the door, the entrance into the room in which the worship nights are done. And then I, we have one of these ladies who are part of the party that had literally just given their life to Christ. So I'm just worshiping. I'm, I'm doing my swaying back and forth. I'm doing my Lou Angle just... Lord, you got to show up. 
gotta show up just, just doing my best to just give God everything. And then suddenly, I hear, <laughs> I hear commotion in the room. I hear weird noises in the room. I hear a weird voice speaking in the room, a voice that I did not hear earlier. And it wasn't one of them friendly voices either that you're like, oh man, that's a sweet person. I want to talk to them. Nope. It was the complete opposite of that. So I opened my eyes and I looked to my right and literally a lady had manifested demons in our midst. She literally started to threaten the room. Literally a different voice came out from within her threatening us. Hey, if you don't believe demons are real, well, what I saw can't come at me and try to tell me they're not real. <laughs> I got two witnesses here as well. But no one had prayed for her. There had been no prayer besides the opening prayer. The only thing we were doing in that space was just worshiping God, was just, was just declaring worth to God, saying, worthy are you, Lord, and just giving him everything that we had. And when you give everything that you have, things change. This lady manifested demons, and she was delivered from demons that evening. And there were countless healings in the room. People's legs, people's backs, people's knees. There's, there's healings in the room, but none of us prayed for it. It was the, our worship towards God, declaring worth towards him, inviting him into the space and saying, God, you must move. God, you are worthy. You are worthy. Therefore, I'm not worried about the circumstances I'm in right now. I'm not worried about my comfort. I'm not worried about those fears in the back of my mind. I'm not worried about the things that are stressing me right now because you are greater. You are worth my I praise in the midst of my discomfort. And that is my heart. And I believe the heart for many of us here in this room today is that as we all come together, we be under one spirit, one accord and sacrificing everything for Jesus Christ. And that sacrifice is worth it because he's worth it. And because he's good, he changes lives when we worship. So your worship is not just for your blessing, but is for the blessing of the world around you. And I close on that note with this last question. Are you willing to pay the price 
in your worship towards Jesus? Are you willing to give up your dreams, give up your desires, give up your time for the sake of worshiping the one who is worthy of worship? So I pray that the Lord leads you to answer that question. And that if you're not at that place right now where you're willing to sacrifice everything for Jesus, I pray that the Lord reveals to you why it's worth it. And if you've already made that decision, but you see that you've not wholeheartedly given God everything in your day-to-day life and on your Sundays, as we gather together to worship and praise Jesus, I pray Holy Spirit gives you the courage and the strength to make that decision and just say yes once and for all. So that is how I close my message. That's great. Great job. Uh, that was a great ending. Um, I don't want to take any more of your time, but a couple of thoughts. Um, as we, I think, continue this sermon series uh, next Sunday and possibly the following, um, I want to just, as the pastor, just give a little disclosure. We're not trying to kind of spell out some formula of how to respond to react to the presence of Jesus. We're just saying that the presence of Jesus warrants some kind of reaction, kind of, some, some kind of response. So if all you're hearing is, oh, they're telling me to do this, they're telling me to do that, and that goes so against who I am as a person, then you are totally missing what's being spoken up here. You're totally missing it. And so, and, and, and just in light of this sermon as well, is that when Jesus is in our midst, it doesn't just warrant a response, of which it does, you know, it, it certainly does. But when he's in our midst, there's a certain kind of caliber, there's a certain kind of level of ministry that begins to take place. And I believe this is what um, Andrew described here with what this woman was encountering in that room. You see, because when Jesus is present, you know, church just does not look the same. It's hard to just go unscathed and just, you know, sit back in our comfortable padded chairs and just amen to, you know, a couple points that the pastor or the speaker made that day. When Jesus, is in, when Jesus is present, things happen that wouldn't ordinarily happen. Uh, and, and I don't know. I want that. I want the unordinary, you know, in our midst. And I know that only happens when Jesus is present. And so if you just hear us saying, oh, you're going to do this when Jesus is in our midst and that reaction and this, and you're going to raise your hand. You are missing it, friend. I feel, I sympathize. I feel bad for you if that's what you're hearing. And so my hope is as we continue into this, uh, in, in this sermon series is that we would, we would uh, of course, we, we would reflect upon our responses. What, how are we reacting uh, to when Jesus in our, is in our midst? Like, how are we worshiping? I don't know about you. That, that may not be a question you ask yourself. 
It's a question I ask myself continually. <laughs> I, I step up to preach. I step up to sing, man. I, 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 I am, I'm asking myself internally, like, what, what is a fitting response to you, Jesus, in this moment? And yeah, I could, like, everybody else just, like, sit back and be chilled and, like, you know, but, but I don't, like, as I ask myself the, the question, God lovingly leads me into being kind of dramatic and loud and joyful and happy. And, and, and then, of course, you know, when, when Jesus is in our midst, again, the level, uh, the, the, the caliber, the effectiveness of ministry just, it, uh, just increases. I, myself, am a testimony. I've shared openly, and I won't get into it, but I, I experienced deliverance similar to what he just shared uh, with this young prostitute uh, in that worship service experience, I am uh, like I'm hewn from the same rock. That's how I gave my life to Christ, and so my hopes is that we just see more and more of that. See, we 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 want what's happening in Iraq to happen here in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And, and here's the thing: like, if you think that this is the kind of church where you can just sit and be comfortable and just do the minimal things to get by, I'm sorry, you should go look for another church, friend. Because I, I will stop pastoring when I feel we've become a country club. I don't want a country club. I don't want people to feel comfortable. I myself don't want to be feel comfortable. But we can only rely upon Jesus to stir us, to transform us. Thank you, Andrew, for this word. Guys, we're just going to wrap things up and uh, bring an end to today's uh, service. So glad you came out. Hey, listen, come out and worship with us at four. I, I, I think it's going to be an awesome time in the presence of the Lord. And, and, and we're going to be joined by other churches, a Catholic. I think they're like a Holy Spirit-filled Catholic church. I don't even know how that works, but that's pretty cool. I mean, I'm, I'm, good, I'm good with that. Uh, but even if they're not, it's just going to be a joyful time in the presence of Jesus together, worshiping Christ for a good cause. Amen. Uh, if we haven't scared you too much, guys, you're new to this church, hey, listen, the info center's right over there. If you want to connect with our church, if you want to find more about us, go over there, connect with some peeps, get a cool gift, and come back next Sunday. Other than that, guys, be blessed. Hey, listen, we have this uh, uh, thing till two, so stay, get some more snacks, hang out, fellowship. We love you, and we'll see you next Sunday. <laughs>